Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, City Walk Church. How are we doing? Did you guys start? You got all right? All right. Uh, you guys survived last night, obviously. Uh, we went, we uh, shot off some fireworks where we were at, and some of you were shooting off illegal fireworks in my neighborhood, if you lived in my neighborhood. And it was, I was, we were driving back from where we were at last night, and if you went outside last night, did you notice like over our whole city, it was like smoke everywhere, and people were having a good time. I hope you had a really good time and uh, got to uh, for pyromaniacs, it's like the greatest day of the year, and hopefully you got a chance to light some fireworks, hang out with some friends and family, and uh, just have a good time. One of the things that uh, over the last few months, and you, you guys know this, because of COVID-19, a lot of things in our world has changed. Obviously, even our church, we have two services, and we've done a lot of different things. But one of the things that I've noticed about the last three months, and maybe you've noticed this about yourself as well, is my screen time has gone up quite a bit. In fact, if you have an iPhone, you get this message about once a week that you're either convicted by or you're excited about, and it tells you like, hey, you were 25% less screen time this week than you were last week, or man, you were way over last week's number. But, but a lot of people during this time, because of a lot of different things, like for our church, most of our ministry went online a few months ago, so man, we were online a lot. Obviously, news is changing, and there's a bunch of stuff coming out all the time, and so we're looking online and keeping up with different things like that. But one of the things that I've actually appreciated about social media and, and being online during this time is I love the Facebook memories that come up. And if you've been on Facebook for a few years, you know that every day you can go in and you can kind of look back at, hey, five years from now, this is what I was doing. Ten years from now, this is what I was doing. Uh, for me, I think I'm up to 11 years from when I first started Facebook. So you have some memories, some you're embarrassed by. You're like, did I really say that on Facebook back then? Uh, but some of them are really special. And one of the pictures that came up a few weeks ago for me was a picture of my son Austin when he was playing baseball probably four or five years ago in Lafayette, Indiana. And I remember this season really specifically because this is a year that they won the championship. And I remember at the beginning of the year when they had their first practice, man, I didn't think they were going to do very well, but I remember just throughout that baseball season, and if you have, your, you have kids or grandkids, you, you can relate, you go to their games, I remember really loving watching that season, and it was just a fun season watching these kids, man, grow and get better and ended up doing really well at the end of the year. And if you're a coach or you're a teacher or even a parent, you, you know what it's like, and it's, it's very special when you're able to either coach a team or work with your kid, or you're, you're a teacher and you're working with your students, 
and you watch them grow, you watch them flourish, you watch maybe a team of kids that aren't really good at the beginning of the year come together and do really well. It's really rewarding. And, and what's really rewarding is when, and, and teachers probably can relate with this maybe more than anybody, when you start working with a student and you start to pull out from inside of them things that were already there, but you help them reach their potential and really begin to watch them flourish. It's something that, man, it's probably why you do what you do. It's not because of the money, but it's because of what you see in students' lives. And a couple weeks ago, we started a letter by the, uh, by the name of Ephesians that Paul wrote to a group of people in Shocker, the city of Ephesus, and he wrote it in about 62 AD. And Paul took on the role of kind of a coach or mentor in a similar way that maybe you've played in different roles that you've had. But, but here's what Paul did, and if you were with us last week, uh, we talked a little bit about this. Paul, what he did is he pointed out to these people what they had on the inside And he helped them develop and really grab hold of some things that God was already doing on the inside of them that they had access to, and he wanted to help them do that. He wanted to help them take what was on the inside because of their relationship with Jesus and really allow it to flourish in their life. And if you know anything about history, you know anything about the city of Ephesus, it's a city in modern-day Turkey. I think we have a map of it. So modern-day Turkey, if you've ever been to Turkey, you know probably most of us haven't. But Ephesus sat right here, right on the the border there of Turkey. And Ephesus was a city that back in the day was a really important city in its region. It had about 250,000 people in it. It was the home to the largest library in the ancient world. It was a very religious city. There were over 50 temples to different gods. And Paul had spent about three years there with a group of people that he loved dearly and that he had helped start a church. And so he's writing this letter, and he's writing this letter from a prison, which Paul did a lot. He took advantage of his time in prison, and he wrote a letter. And he's writing this letter, and if you were with us last week, he kind of started the letter by saying, hey, because of your relationship with Jesus Christ... Man, you've got a lot of spiritual riches. You've got a lot of things that you might not even know you have access to. You have access to wisdom. You have access to freedom from sin. You have access to forgiveness. You have access to all this stuff because of your relationship with Jesus. And then he goes on, and and we're going to pick up in verse 15. And I want you to imagine it, because we read it out of the scriptures, and it's in chapters But I want you to imagine that you got a letter, like you're a part of a small church in Ephesus, and and the person that's kind of in charge of that evening at church says, hey, man, we just got a brand new letter from Paul. You guys know he's in prison, and and man, he wrote us a letter, and so we're going to read the letter. And so, man, you're excited because Paul's a good friend, a mentor, and and they begin to read this letter, and we're going to pick up the letter in verse 15. And here's what Paul says. He says, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith, your complete trust in the Lord, your faith, and your love toward all the saints. Paul says, hey, for this reason, the the stuff I just said in the first 14 verses, for this reason, 
because I've heard of your faith. That word faith means, it means complete trust. Your complete trust in Jesus. And, and then he says this, and your love toward all the saints. See, see, here's what Paul knew. And if you read through his writings, you'll see this. He talked a lot about faith in Jesus and he coupled it with love for people. Somehow in our society today, we have created this version of faith where you can have faith in Jesus and you can believe all the right things, but then you can be a jerk to people. You can be a jerk online to people. You can be a jerk to people kind of in front of them. But hey, as long as you believe all the right things. For Paul, there was no such type of faith. Like for him, there was no like special kind of faith where you could believe the right things and still not love people. When you believed in Jesus and trusted in him, it led you to love people well. And Paul noticed that about these people. He says, I I notice your faith, your complete trust in Jesus, and I've noticed how you love people so well. And remember where they're at. They're, They're in a really tough place to be a follower of Jesus. They're in a place where, man, it... It makes what we we go through in our society look like Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. It's easy here compared to what they're going through. I mean, those people are worried about, you know, being killed for what they believe. They're worried about a lot of things that we're not worried about. And, And Paul says, hey, in the midst of all that, I notice you believe in Jesus and your belief in Jesus leads you to love people. And and he was he was impressed by that. And then he says this. He says, Man, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. As I think about your faith, as I think about your life, man, as I remember our times together, I can't, can't help but be thankful. I can't help but be thankful. And, and you, there's some people in your life, when you think of them, you're really thankful. And then there's other people in your life, when you think of them, you're not as thankful. And you don't have great memories. Well, here's Paul. He's saying, man, when I think of you, I'm thankful and I begin to pray for you. And one thing you'll notice about Paul's prayer, and we're going to talk about his prayer here in a second. He didn't pray that they would get things they didn't already have. He didn't say, you know, I'm, uh, you know what I pray for you? I pray that you get that job and I pray that this thing works out for you and I pray this. Not that those things are wrong to pray for. But if you read through the next part, here's what Paul was praying for. He was praying that they would take advantage of things they already had. And that's what he prayed for. He says this, if you look at verse 17, he says, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I want you to have wisdom and I want you to understand things about him that you already have access to. That's what I'm praying for you. And then what he does is he gets specific. And he says, I'm praying that these things that you already have, that you'll really be able to grasp them. And the first thing he talks about is this. He says, the the first thing I hope you'll really be able to understand and grasp is this. I, I hope you'll understand the hope of your calling. Let me read verse 18. He says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. So if you're, if you're someone who's a follower of Christ, the scriptures say that you've been adopted into the family of God. And, and when you're adopted into the family of God, you have tremendous hope. 
And when we use the word hope, like in our society, when you say, I hope something, what you're saying is, I hope something happens, but I'm not sure, but I hope it does. Like, I hope the place I'm going on vacation is going to be open. I, I, I'm not sure, but I hope. I hope she's going to say yes when I ask her to go to the prom. I think she's going to say yes, but I'm not sure, and I hope so. I hope I'm going to get a job. When we use the word hope, it's, it's a word that we use when we're not sure of something, but we really want it to happen. Well, when the Bible uses the word hope, it uses it in a totally different way. The word hope in the Bible is a word that means, it means certainty. It means confidence. It means I don't hope this is going to happen like I'm not sure. It's I have confidence because I know it is going to happen. It's a sure thing. And because of that, I have hope or another word you'd use is confidence. See, earthly hope produces anxiety where spiritual hope produces confidence. When I use the word hope and I say, oh, I hope this happens, I might have butterflies or I might be worried because I'm not sure. But when we use the word hope as it relates to God and, and how Paul's using the word, he's saying, you know what? There's something that is true, it's for sure, and so you can have confidence. It's not a, oh, I hope it works out. It's, hey, because of your relationship with Jesus, Jesus will one day come back and you will spend forever in heaven. You don't have to hope that happens. You don't have to, like, 50-50 chance. If you have a relationship with Jesus, this is going to happen, and so you should walk through life with confidence. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, I want you to walk through life with confidence because you have something that's sure. So some of you... You, you look at your life maybe right now, and, and, and if we took time, and we, wouldn't, we won't do this, but if we would, took time and just kind of went through the rows and all of us kind of shared our life stories with each other and kind of the ups and downs of our life, man, there's some really tough stories probably in here. There's some really tough moments where, man, a lot of different people in here have had times in their life where, man, things were awful, and, man, it was discouraging and tragedy, and, and if there wasn't hope beyond this life, it, honestly, there's not, there's not much to, to really live for because, man, if you can't know that, man, after my little 80 or 90 years is done, that, you know, some of them are good years, some of them are bad years, there's tragedy, there's things I don't understand. But, but if I do know that, hey, when this life is over, forever is a really long time and I'm going to be with Jesus and I'm going to be in heaven Man, I can walk through this life, even the ups and downs of it, and have confidence. And that's what Paul was saying. He's saying, you have this, but you need to access it. You need to remember that one day when this whole thing's over, you have, you have eternity with Jesus. And so even in the ups and downs in life, you should be able to walk through life with confidence. Because here's, here's what maybe somebody lied to you about earlier in your life. Some, there's, there's this like belief out there that says, hey, if you follow Jesus, everything goes good, except it doesn't. And ev there's, most of us in here could say, you know what? <laughs> nope. I still had somebody die in my life. I still had cancer. I still, this happened. I still had the divorce. I still had all, you know, all this stuff. It doesn't mean that it all goes great. It means that I have hope and assurance in the midst of the storm and purpose, and I have a future 
that's worth living for because of Jesus. And that's what Paul said. He says, man, that's what I want. I want you to know the hope of your calling. And then he says this, not only do I want you to really know and access the hope that you have, the confidence you have, but he says this, I want you to know this too, that you are God's inheritance. He says it this way in in the second part of verse 18. He says, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And so you read that verse and you say, okay, inheritance. Well, that's usually a good thing. Like if, I, if I get a phone call and somebody says, hey, you have an inheritance, I'm like, where do I go to pick it up? Let's do this. And, and usually when you think about an inheritance from God, you think about like, okay, yeah, heaven, and yeah, I know there's some things that are going to happen that are going to be really good, but that's not what this passage is talking about. What this passage is saying, it's saying that Yeah, you'll get an inheritance someday, but that's not what it's talking about. It's saying that you are God's inheritance. You are God's prized possession. Paul wanted these people that he loved so dearly to know the astonishing value that God puts on them. In in my desk at home, uh, I I have all kind of stuff in my... You know you have that one one drawer that's kind of like the catch-all for everything? And so I have one of those drawers that have different stuff in it. And so when my daughter, uh, Kate, uh, she makes me pictures. And, you know, here's one of the pictures that I, was in my drawer. And so she sends me. And, and if you're a parent, you don't know what to do with these. Like, if you keep every single one of these their whole life, like, you need a whole room for that. Because their teacher does it, Sunday school, you know, have all these things. But, but, man, I keep these. And I don't keep these because I'm hoping that one day they go into a museum of art. Or, you know, you're never going to go to France and see this like next to the, the, you know, a a beautiful painting. But to me, this is an important thing because of who made it. And because Kate is very special to me, because Kate is in my life one of my prized possessions, one of the most valuable things in my life, like this is important to me. And when you go over to someone's house, especially a grandparent or a parent, you see stuff like this on the refrigerator. I call it refrigerator art. It means nothing to anybody else. It's actually probably not that great of art. But to that grandparent or that parent, it's really special because the person that made it is their, one of their most valuable things in their life. And the reason I tell that to you, if, if God had a house, and if you were to visit his house, you know whose refrigerator art would be on the refrigerator? Yours. You know whose picture would be up on the mantle? Yours. You know whose photos would be in his favorites on his phone? Yours. Because, and here's what Paul wanted people to to grasp. If you are adopted into God's family, you're a follower of Jesus, you are so special to God. And it's important that we know that. Because there are days that you'll wake up, you may say, man, there are weeks that I wake up and I don't feel valuable. I don't feel valuable to people in my life. I don't feel valuable for, for whatever reason. But, but Paul, he wanted these people to know, hey, even on the days when, man, you're struggling and you don't feel valuable, you need to remember that you are God's inheritance. You are his prized possession. You are extremely valuable to the creator of the earth. And Paul wanted them to know this. But then he says this. He says, he says I pray for you. I'm praying for you. And I'm praying that you, you know the hope of your calling, that, that, that you have confidence in this life because of what's ahead of you. I, I hope you grasp that. And he says, man, I hope you 
grasp the fact that you are God's prized possession, you're his inheritance. Like, I want you to know that and really get a hold of that in your life. But then he says this. He says, I also want you to understand the power available to you. He says in verse 19, he says, and what is the immeasurable, and that word immeasurable based on incomparable, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? If you were to look at this, this verse, he says, and what is the immeasurable, incalculable greatness of his power? This word power is a word that is important this weekend, and here's why. This word is the word dunamis in the Greek, and it's where we get the word dynamite at. And so this weekend, man, we've heard a lot of explosions, a lot of things going on. And so, man, you, you probably, some of you, your ears are still ringing from last night and the, the fireworks. And, and here's, it's the word that we get. Our word power is the word dynamite in the Greek. And so he says, man, you have this power available to you. That this power available to you because of your relationship with Jesus, and you don't even know you have this power available to you. And he says, man, I want you to really get a hold of the fact that you have this available. This word power means the ability to overcome resistance. You have this unique ability to overcome things because of your relationship with Jesus. And I wrote this as I was thinking about, why do we need this power? Why is this power so important? Why did Paul want them to understand this? Why do they need to know this power is available? The first thing is real simple. They need power to use what they have been given, the power they've been So it's like a two-year-old sitting in the driver's seat of the shuttle. Like that two-year-old might think this is really cool, but has no clue the power around them and wouldn't even know where to start. And Paul's saying, I want you to have power inside of you, and this power will help you use what's available to you. You have so much available to you because of your relationship with Jesus, but you're like a two-year-old in a, in a rocket ship, and you need power to be able to even access and understand how to use what's available to you. But he says, man, you also need this power so that you're not hindered by the enemy. Because you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have an enemy that wants to destroy you. You have an enemy that hates you and wants to see you gone. And Paul says, I, I want you have this power inside of you and this power available to you that will help you resist the enemy. In the scriptures, as, as Satan is talked about, he's talked about, as, as this maybe you've heard this, whether you grew up in church or not, you probably have heard this. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So if you have Disney Plus, which is a gift to our world, I'm so thankful for Disney Plus, especially before COVID because you can watch a lot of shows. But one of the cool things about Disney Plus is they bought National Geographic or something like that. And so for you, like if you're the type of person, you're like, I don't really want to watch Moana, but if I could watch a lion kill something, I'm all for that. You like Disney Plus because they have all those National Geographic shows on it. And so for the sick people in here like me that like watching like the lion 
like in the, in the grass that's creeping up and you're like glued to the screen and you know that little gazelle is about to be lunch and it's going to be no problem, but you're glued to it. I mean, you watch it and if you have a cat, like you hopefully don't have a lion at your house, but if you have a cat, like we unfortunately do at our house, you, and we, or if you're my father-in-law and you showed up to your house and there was already two cats waiting for you when you bought the house, um, you pray for Steve. Uh, but you, you know, even, even little cats, you can see them when they're going after something, they get down and they pretend that nobody sees them and then they pounce. So, well, lion, obviously, when that happens, it gets really bad for whatever they're going to pounce on. But that's the picture that the Bible uses of Satan. Like he's a roaring lion. He's this powerful, strong, like dis- wants to destroy and he's just creeping around and he's, he wants to devour. And so Paul says, man, but you have access to this power because of your relationship with Jesus that will help you resist and will give you strength against your enemy. And then what Paul does is he closes out this section and he he talks a little bit more about this power. He says this in verse 20. He says that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So you read that, that first part and you're like, okay, here's what Paul's saying. You know this, the power that I'm talking to you about? He's saying it's the same power that worked in Jesus when he raised from the dead. That's what you have available to you. And he says, at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. And then you keep going. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so as Paul, as he's kind of closing out this section, and as we'll, we'll kind of close things up this morning, he's saying, you know what? Th- just think about people that you love. Like, who, who do you love in your life the most? Like people that are very special to you. And when you see something in those people that, that they have access to or that's available to them, you see potential in them, man, you want to see them grab hold of that. And Paul's writing to these friends of his, and he's saying, man, you have so much inside because of your relationship with Jesus. You have power. You, you, you are God's prize. You have confidence. All this is available to you. But you just need to access it. You just need to take hold of it and apply it. When I was growing up, uh, I'm 43 now, I think. I I lose track. I think I'm 43. I'll be 44 soon. So when I was growing up, like the first video games that we had back when I was growing up was Atari. So some of you, you remember Atari, and that was fun. Back then, we didn't know all this other stuff was going to come. And so, man, we were good with like the Pong game on Atari or Pac-Man. It was fun. But then I can remember my dad won a contest, and uh, I have, I'm the oldest of three boys, and he won a contest right when the new Nintendo uh, was coming out. And I remember, man, it was like a great day for us three boys because dad won the Nintendo at his job. And so, man, we got this new Nintendo, and back then, like Duck Hunt and Super Mario Brothers, those were the games that came with it, and you had that little gun, you could shoot the ducks, and man, we didn't know graphics were going to get really good, so we thought what we had was great. And man, that, that kept us going for, for weeks at a time. Three boys, Super Mario Brothers, trying to save the princess. That was good. 
But then we started to get some other games, and I can remember another game that I really enjoyed playing as a kid was a game called Contra. And Contra was a game that was, it was some type of an army game, and and we had three boys, we enjoyed shooting things on video games. I know probably that was bad, and that was probably impacted us spiritually forever, and we'd probably need to go to counseling for that, but, but we liked it. And so we, we were playing this game, and, and I, I played this game for a little while, and then I found out that there was a special code, that if you put this special code in at the title screen, you got 30 free lives. And so for some of you that grew up with this, like you still remember the code because you were a kid and you, you put this code in. It was up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, select, start. And if you did that when the title screen was up, you automatically went from three lives to 33 lives before the game even started. It was great. And you didn't have to do, you didn't have to shoot anybody to get this. You didn't have to get past level one to get this. You didn't have to, like nowadays, you got to pay $5.99 to buy things in your video game. You didn't have to pay anything. You just got 30 free lives. They were available to you no matter what. You just had to put the code in. It would have been stupid and boring for me as a kid to not just do the little code and get all the access to all the lives. I mean, they were free. I didn't have to do anything to get them. And the reason I tell you this is because in, in a very similar way, that's what Paul is saying to the people in Ephesus. He's saying, you have access to 30 free lives. And you don't even have to put the code in. You just have to take it. You have access to things that are available to you because of your relationship with Jesus. And you just have to grab them. Whether you're somebody that... Maybe you're a child, maybe you're a young adult, maybe you're a, a parent or grandparent. It doesn't matter really where you are. Here's what I want you to think about. It, how would your week look different? So from now till next Sunday, how would your week look different if you didn't add a bunch of new stuff to your life, if you just embraced what was already yours because of your relationship with Jesus? Like, like, you don't have to add four things to, no, just what would your life look like if you just embraced what was already yours? And if you're a follower of Jesus, this is what Paul said. He said, you have access to hope. You have access to a confident uh, surety that, that tells you that this is not your home and one day you're going to be with Jesus in heaven. You have access to that hope right now so tomorrow morning if the bottom falls out on your day or if this week is the worst week you've had all year you can know that no matter what if you have a relationship with Jesus you're going to spend eternity with him forever and you can have confidence in this life even through the ups and downs and there will be ups and there will be downs but you can have hope what, what would your life look like if you just grabbed hold of that? What would your life look like if you just, this week, you just grabbed hold of the fact that you are God's inheritance, you are special to him, you're his prized possession. When you wake up in the morning and you feel terrible about yourself, or when you look in the mirror and you see, see, you, you see what you want to see, or you don't see what you want to see, and you feel bad about yourself, and you kind of put yourself down, man, what if you just grabbed hold of the fact that, you know what? No matter what anybody else thinks, 
no matter what I think about myself, if I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm his prized possession. My refrigerator art is on his refrigerator, and he smiles when he thinks of me. What if you just grabbed hold of that? What if you grabbed hold of that, the power that Paul was talking about, that ability to overcome resistance? And, and you, you said, you know what, I don't, I don't need to go add a bunch of things to my life. I just need to take hold of what's already available. This last statement I want to give you, and I gave you a statement like this last week that, that I think encapsulates what we talked about this morning, and it's simply this. In Christ, I have hope for the future and power for today. In Christ, I have hope, or you could change that word and it could be confidence, because that's what that word hope means. In Christ, because of my relationship with Christ, not because I'm a great person, not because I'm more talented than somebody else, not because I grew up on the right side of the tracks, no, because of my relationship with Christ and only because of that reason, I have hope or confidence for the future and I have power for today. Maybe you're here or you're maybe watching online and you would say, hey, Chris, I'm not a follower of Jesus. Maybe, maybe you're investigating faith, maybe you have questions, maybe you kind of grew up in the church and maybe got burnt by the church and walked away from the church. And, and for you, maybe the first decision that you would maybe need to make is just saying, you know what, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. I, I want to have access to all these things that Paul was talking about. And, and you don't get access to all those things by giving money to church or even by being faithful to come to church. You don't get access to that by being baptized. You get access to that by one reason, but one way, and that's starting a relationship with Jesus. The scriptures make it really clear that every single one of us have sinned and disobeyed God. Every one of us. And because of our disobedience, because we rejected God's way, which we've all done, we deserve to spend eternity without God. But because God loved us so much, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, not for his sin, because he didn't sin, but for mine. As they were nailing Jesus to the cross, his feet and his hands, they were, I should have been the one getting nailed to the cross because he was paying for my sin and he was paying for yours. But then after he died, they took his body off that cross and they put it in a grave. And three days later, he rose from the grave. And people, not just in scripture, but in history, saw him. So you can go look in history. And there was a guy named Jesus who died and then a lot of people saw him alive. And because of that, we can have a relationship with him and have access to all these things that we're talking about. And so if you're here or you're watching online and you have not started a relationship with Jesus, I would encourage you to lean into that first. But if you do have a relationship with Jesus, I would encourage you to this week remember, in Christ, I have hope or confidence for the future and I have power for today. And if I would just remember that this week, it could change the game. It would change maybe how I treat people. It would change my outlook on life. I wouldn't have so much anxiety. I could walk through life and just love people if I remember that in Christ, I have hope for tomorrow and power for today. Let's pray.
Dear Jesus, we thank you for Paul's letter to the people in Ephesus. And Lord, we, we know that Paul, he was literally writing this letter from prison. He could have been worried about his own life and kind of feeling sorry for himself. But instead of feeling sorry for himself, he wanted to encourage these believers in Ephesus. And so he wrote this letter. And Lord, this letter was written 2,000 years ago, but it's so applicable to us because many of us who are your followers forget what we have available to us. And Lord, I pray for those in this room or watching online that are followers of you, I pray that we would remember this week that in you, we can have confidence and hope because we know where we're going to spend eternity. But we can also have power that's available to us today to overcome the different issues that come up in our week. Maybe you're here or maybe you're watching online and you would say, hey, Chris, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've been around church or you're kind of investigating faith, but but there's never been a time in your life where you have started a relationship with Jesus. And maybe you're here, you're watching online, and you would say, hey, Chris, today I'd love to do that. How do I do that? Well, are you willing to just in the quietness of your heart, are you willing to tell God, hey, God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I admit to you that I've disobeyed you. Would you just be willing to tell God that? And then would you just be willing to, in your heart between you and God, to say, hey, God, I admit to you that I've sinned, but I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross and raise from the dead for me. Just tell him. Just tell him, man, I believe that. And then just give him an invitation. Just say, hey, God, I want to start a relationship with you. Please come into my life and save me. And the scriptures say that when we come to Jesus and we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that that Jesus' spirit indwells us and changes us from the inside out. If you're here and maybe you did that or maybe you still have questions, you're just not sure, you just have questions, man, we would love to encourage you, answer any of those questions. And so you can either use the, the little connect card in front of you or you can use the one in our app to just put that information on there maybe just say hey I've just got some questions and we'll contact you this week we'd love to answer as many questions as we can and just help you along your journey Lord thank you for an awesome day together I pray that we would remember what we have because of you in Jesus name